Psalm 27, I want to talk to you about courage. Only be strong and very courageous. Repeated four different times in Joshua chapter 1 alone. Only be strong and very courageous. Chapter 1, verse 6, 7, 9, and 18. It's bumped up into the New Testament when uh, Jesus said, I've spoken these things to you so that in me you may have peace. Because in the world you're going to have tribulation, pressure, trouble, affliction, burden. It's always been that way. It'll be that way till his second coming. So he said, take courage, take courage, be of good cheer, get a hold of it. Only be strong and very courageous. And I love the song Holly picked, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Well, I didn't read it right. I kind of read it in monotone. So let me read it the way I think the psalmist may have been trying to say it. Hey, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. And our confidence is not some sort of hyped up enthusiasm or bubble popping, some sort of baseless, just kind of happy, happy thing. It's, it emanates out of a, a courage produced in knowing that Jesus came, sacrificed his life so we could have this eternal life. And he said, I take courage. He said, I have overcome the world. The world system, the Bible says all the world lies in the power of the evil one. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.4 that the people whose eyes are blinded are blinded by somebody called the God of this world. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Now I want you to turn to John chapter 14 and I want you to see something very interesting. This was like a day before Jesus was crucified. In chapter 14, he makes some pretty strong statements. He says, I'm going to get ready and I'm going, to, I'm going to die for you. And it's good. He said, it's good because the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Verse 27 of chapter 14 is one of my favorites. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. You know, in the 60s it was, hey, peace and love, and there really was no peace. And the Bible says in the end times they'll be saying peace, peace, and there really is no peace. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. I repeat, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Now this is the Lord Jesus talking to his disciples, and here's what he says. You heard that I said to you, I go away and I will come to you. If you loved me, and you would, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now... I have told you before it happens so that when it happens, you may believe. See, God gives a prophetic heads up and he's giving a prophetic heads up to his people then and he gives us prophetic heads up. He said, I will not speak much more with you for the ruler of the world is coming and he has nothing in me. So Jesus even called Satan the ruler of this world. Paul called him the small g God of this world. And he usurped the authority that God had given to Adam and Eve. And, uh, but Jesus, yet he came to overcome. And he overcame sin, the devil, the world, and even death. 
Hallelujah. And verse 31 says, but so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. And he said, get up, let us go from here. Get up and let us go from here. I love that verse. In the New King James, it says it a little differently. It says, arise, let us go from here. You can get anywhere from here. The disciples could have gotten anywhere from this point. He, he did not want them to backslide and decline. He was sending them out on a mission. Jesus is our role model here. He's the head of the church. A Christian, in the definition of it, is a diminutive Christ. We're followers of him. Paul said, be followers of me as I am of Christ. Paul had a ripping walk with God, and he wanted the people to get a hold of that. He wanted to model that. He said, I don't just want to impart the gospel, but I want to impart my own life. This is a moment right now in the early church where they are looking at the Savior personally. They know him in the flesh. Their eyes have seen him. Their hands have handled him concerning the word of life. But they are now going to be responsible as the apostles of the Lamb, as the writers of the Bible, as the initial uh, evangelists carrying the gospel to the world. And we learn from them. We see Jesus come in on the scene and he said, look, I'm about to lay down my life. I'm about to do the fulfillment of what God called me to, which is to lay down my life so that you all can be set free. I, number one, want to obey my father. My meat is to do the will of the father. And then the, he also came to seek and save that which is lost. And then he's equipped them and he said, I send you out as sheep among wolves. He said, I've given you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. They went out, they preached, signs and wonders followed. They came back rejoicing that demons were subject to them in, in his name. He said, that's good, but don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your name is recorded in heaven. That's the biggest deal. Don't ever lose that. Don't ever forget that. As miraculous as the flourish of things will become in your life, as signs and wonders begin to follow, as you see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, as you see answers to your prayers, continue to go back under that central, I'm nothing without you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. I give you all the credit. I give you all the praise. I traveled with a wonderful preacher when I was a young man, and he would have such great meetings, and the Lord would just visit and just openly endorse and bless what was happening. And I'll never forget how he humbled himself every time and said, God, thank you for that. I'm nothing without you, Jesus. I give you all the praise. And the bigger the miracles, the louder the praise was. The bigger and more elaborate things were, that just got even more humble, got even more focused. I remember when my wife was a school teacher, and the kids asked her about why she was, what made her tick, why she was so buoyant, why was she so happy? And she said, well, it's because I'm a Christian. And they wanted to know more about it. 35 kids got saved, got filled with the Holy Spirit, running up and down the hall, speaking in tongues. And my wife was concerned she would lose her job because you're not supposed to preach at school and so forth. Well, she didn't preach. She answered the question of her students. Interestingly, God sent a prophetic person a few weeks before that, that just encouraged her, obeyed God on the job. Don't worry, you're not going to lose your job. And she didn't know. He wasn't put, nudging her, suggesting to her that she should preach to her students. She, he didn't even know she was a teacher. Just had that word for her, and it came to bear. And the kids were so excited. But what happened was this great breakthrough. She had tears in her eyes, and she said, I felt like it was, God was just using me. It wasn't about me. It was him. And it was, he was manifesting himself. Did you hear that? That's why Jesus said, it's good that I go because I'm sending a comforter. I'm sending the helper. I'm sending equipment. And by the way, the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh. 
Not just a guru here or an elite person there or a sophisticated prayer person there. No, he's poured out on all flesh. Our sons and our daughters will prophesy, dream dreams, see visions, miracles, signs, wonders are to follow. All who believe, survey. How many of you believe? How many of you believe in God? How many of you believe he's raised from, Jesus is raised from the dead? How many of you believe that he sent his Holy Spirit? How many of you believe he's a rewarder of those who seek him? Oh, yeah. There's some overcomers in here. There's some people who have been through some surgeries. There's some widows in here that are banding together and supporting each other. There's some people who have been through some disappointment, cavernous emotional challenges, upsets in life. And, you know, here you are. How did you get here? By the grace of God. And here's what Jesus said. He said, uh, arise, let us go from here. Let us go from here. We are on the move in, in obedience to the Lord Jesus. We're going to walk with him. We're going to talk with him. We're going to talk about him. We're going to lead a sacrificial life. The very next day after Jesus gave this discourse, he died on the cross for your sins and mine. It's an amazing thing. God's called us to walk with him and be followers of him and walk in love. Jesus' death on the cross was motivated by love and for mankind. What, we don't often know what our motives are, but we know what Jesus' motives were, what motivated him, what drove him. And then so as we walk with him, he'll line up our motives. He'll purge and purify and refine and help us. Hallelujah. This will make you courageous. And the definition for courage in the dictionary, and I modified it a little bit for this meeting, is the quality of spirit that enables you to face danger, difficulty, distraction, disappointment and pain without yielding to fear. I'll read it again. The quality of spirit that enables you to face danger, difficulty, distraction, disappointment, and pain. I'm talking tonight about courage. Only be strong and very courageous. I am pointedly, specifically endeavoring to encourage you. I am exhorting you to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I am endeavoring to offset the oppression, the fear, reminding you that in fact, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Say it, power, love, and a sound mind. Say it again, power, love, and a sound mind. So when you feel like you're afraid and you feel like you're on the verge mentally, God can heal your thinking, your soul, renew your mind, get you back on track, get you out of a ditch, get you out of being off kilter. Hallelujah. Who's glad for that? Yes. That sound mind is a wonderful thing to have. Listen to some of these amazing verses. I'm reading from the New American Standard, and if you want to write down some notes, I'm going to give you a barrage of a number of Psalms and Proverbs, one out of Isaiah. And I'll, I'll give delay so that the people in the back can pull it up on the screen if you didn't bring your Bible. Psalm 3, 6. Psalm 3, Six. And this is where David said, Lord, are they increased to trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many are they that say of my soul, there's no help for him in God. He said, but you, Lord, are the shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. And he said this, I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me round about. Can I read that again to you? I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me round about. It's not in denial about it. David knew he had these problems. And this is what I like about Psalm 23. 
The Lord will prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. I heard a great preacher say that a guy came up at the altar call and asked him, would you please pray for me that I will be delivered from the devil completely? He said, oh, do you want me to pray that you will die? No, of course not. He said, well, as long as you're alive on this earth, you're going to have the enemy around you. But God prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. This is the particular thing we need to understand. This is what Jesus is trying to bring to us that will produce amazing courage. That's what Psalm 27, we just have been reading it. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I dread or be afraid? Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be what? Confident. Shall be confident. I love what Paul said about the Philippian church. When you're a pastor, this is This is not only personally enriching, not only historically amazing, but you want this for your people in your church. Paul said, I am confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Christ. And so I love the idea that God has begun a good work in you. I love what Ephesians 2.10 echoes, that we're his workmanship and that we're in fact created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And the idea, think about this, is that, oh wow, I'm, I'm God's workmanship and I'm part of the body. God had me meditate on um, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 the other day. I read it like I never read it before. I tried to go at it fresh, you know, and I, I often read 1 Corinthians 13 like you do, particularly four through eight, love is patient, love is kind. I put my name in there to try to talk myself out of being a jerk you know, talk my flesh down and get back on track and remind myself of who I am in Christ and God living in me and that that love nature is potential there for me to walk in, right? But 12 and 14 talk about the gifts of the Spirit and talk about our place in the body. It's beautiful. And there's one particular standout verse that really struck me. In Ephesians 5, it talked about Jesus being the head of the church in terms of husbands and wives, love your wife as Christ loved the church, and Jesus is the head of the church. So then it says, the head cannot say to the feet, I have no need of you. Now this, is, this was fascinating to me when I read it. It really underscored that we are co-laborers and joint heirs with him. We are his workmanship. And the Bible says that God's eyes are looking throughout the earth to find people, men and women, who will yield to him, whose hearts are his, that he may strongly support. And I believe, if you think about what he was saying in John chapter 14, Hey, it's good that I'm going to go. If you understood this, you'd rejoice with me because I'm going to go be with my father. My father is greater and you're going to receive the Holy Spirit and you're going to get, you know, and let's get up and go from here. And he goes to the cross and he, and he lays down his life, that sacrificial moment because of love and obedience and because he was courageous. Jesus did all these things with unshaken courage. He said, arise. Let us go from here, knowing that he was going to go and lay down his life, knowing that it was going to be the end for him, but the beginning for all of us, and that he would even be raised, and God would raise him up. Arise. Turn and look at somebody and say, arise. In 1825, great commentator Adam Clark stated of this verse, all our actions should be formed on this example and plan. 
We should have the love of God and man for our principle and motive. We should have the love of God and man for our principle motive. God's glory for our end. His will for our rule. He who lives and acts thus shall live forever. Man, I'm telling you right now, seize upon this. Only be strong and very courageous. You know, there may be thousands around you. There may be amazing change, which there certainly is. I was born again in a season of tremendous social change. It precipitated a desire in my heart to want to know God. It was so shaky, so disturbing. It was so uncomfortable. It produced a, like an identity crisis in me. So much so that I just was, I realized I was lost and I needed to get my bearings and I found it to be in Jesus Christ. And that's what's happening to us again. So I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people. He said, my heart will not fear. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. We love Psalm 91. And uh, Psalm 91, verse 5, it talks about, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. He's there to protect us. And look what it says in verse 5. You will not be afraid of the terror by night, or of the arrow that flies by day. You will not be afraid of the terror by night. That's a 12-hour period. And the arrow that flies by day, that's the other 12-hour period. That's covered. Daytime troubles and night terrors covered by the blood of Jesus. You will not be afraid. Look at somebody say, you will not be afraid. I love Psalm 118, verse 6. You ought to read all of Psalm 118. It's delicious. But in Psalm 118, verse 6, he says, in a boast, in a confidence, the Lord is for me. Say that with me. The Lord is for me. Dare we say it? In Romans chapter 8, it says, if God's for us, who can be against us? God's for the sinner. He's not for our sin. He died for our sin. But he's for the sinner, and he actually is so powerful, he turns the sinner into a saint. We have the potential to sin as believers, but we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Think about that. That's hard for some people to even say. You know, we prefer to say we're just a wretch, but you know, Paul said, I'm a new creature in Christ. The old things have passed away and all things have become new. He said, the Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You know, and you could think of a lot of things. But yet the Lord is there to protect. The Lord is there to sustain. The Lord is there to see you through. The Lord is watching over you. The Lord is there to answer your prayers. The Lord Jesus died on the cross to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Young people, listen to this. This is real good for you. You're young, you're forming, you're developing, you're young people. But man, you've got the same potential to walk in this great anointing as anybody else of any other age. God's hand is on your life. God is a, is a, is a restorer, a healer. He's fully the same that he's always been. He never changes, undiminished. Grace is always sufficient to see us through. Hallelujah. Get up and let's go from here. Let's get up and go. And let's let our actions and our motives be drenched in obedience, willingness in our sacrificial life and our obedient life and our love walk, all with courage. 
It's courage that counts, Winston Churchill said during World War II. Courage is so powerful, and God actually gives it, so it's not fleeting. We don't have to generate it. We can walk in it. We can be confident. Only be strong and very courageous over and over again. Proverbs 3.24, Proverbs 3.24. Look at this. I love this, because you're going to go to bed pretty soon, and when you lie down, guess what? You will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. I noticed this when I was a young Christian. I would have dreams correspondent to what I focused on right before I went to sleep. So I would read the word. Sometimes I'd turn the lights off and then I would get, turn the lights back on and I would read a scripture and I'd meditate on it. I'd close the Bible, go to sleep. And inevitably and often, God would use that and because I drop that down into my conscious mind and my subconscious, it would just kind of pop around in there in a pretty, God, it was like I put, I put a log on the fire in the fireplace and it just kind of burned. It was not like watching uh, uh, the news or a horror movie, which pretty much are the same thing. Right? When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Enter Sandman by by Metallica, has a great beat, has a good drum beginning. It's an amazing, epic, 80s hair metal rock song. But man, uh, now I lay me down to sleep. That's a terrible prayer. I say, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. He gives his beloved in their sleep. He'll give things to you. He'll speak to you. Visions and dreams, right? Isaiah 12, 2. Behold, God is my salvation. Isaiah 12, 2. Look. Behold means look. (laughs) So here's Isaiah. Look. God is my salvation. Okay? In the Hebrew, deal with it. Deal with it, devil. Deal with it, emotions. Deal with the world. God is my salvation. Look at this. I will trust and not be afraid. Say it. I will trust and not be afraid. I've seen people face off with cancer diagnosis and just shake you. And I watch people take this kind of stand and get through the battles. I watched people's lives, so many challenges and trials. 27 years ago this week, this building was still full of water from the flood of 93. And God got us through it. I've watched the Lord help us in our down-sitting and our uprising. I've watched Him be faithful. He is our salvation. So we have confidence in our God. He always causes us to triumph. And it's really pretty amazing. I love it. You, can, you don't have to turn to this, but in 2 Samuel 10, 12, it says, be strong and let us show ourselves courageous for the sake of our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. There's something about Your obedience impacting others. Your bravery impacting others. Your courage impacting others. Your stability impacting others. If for nothing else, let that become an incentive. I heard this and I think it's, it's really important. There are other people attached to your obedience. There are repercussive effects with faith. There's also repercussions with fear. Faith comes by hearing. Fear comes by hearing. When the evil report spies came back after they spied out the promised land in Numbers chapter 13, that famous 
moment where Moses sent out the spies, 12 heads of tribes, the 12 tribes, Joshua and Caleb being among them. The majority report of the 10 came back and said, it's the land flows with milk and honey. It's beautiful. Nevertheless, and they said three things. The people are great. The cities are fortified and there are giants in the land. And we still hear those kinds of concerns. The people, nevertheless, the people. God's greater than man. That's why he says, the Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And, and, and uh, what can man do to me? Psalm 118, the Lord is for me, I will not fear. What can man do to me? And God is faithful, and he's given example after example to preserve and protect his people. And he is even, he's calling us to understand the magnificence of this right now and to get drenched in this idea that, by the way, this is not an ideal. This is what got Joshua and Caleb over. They, the 10 spies exhibited cowardice in Numbers 13, 33. There also we saw the Nephilim and the sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim. These are the giants. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. That's a principle. And I think it's notable that Prime Minister Winston, Sir Winston Churchill, when the Germans would bomb London, they bombed, primarily bombed Birmingham and Liverpool and London and the big population cities, London being the most bombed. And he, he of course, the house, the parliament was there and that's where he lived. And he would get up every time there was a, an air raid and a bomb, bombing, and he'd be, you would find him, the black and white photos, you can Google it and look at it. He had his cape, his bowler hat, his big cigar, and he had his determination walking through those streets. And you could see people standing on what used to be their house, waving, receiving the encouragement. And he, you know, he said, we're going to fight on the land, on the sea, on the seashore. We're going to just, we're not, we're not, we're not going to give up. Neville Chamberlain tried to do negotiation and it didn't work. And they needed a scrapper bulldog and God anointed him. But the church... We look at Joshua and Caleb, and I feel that they are cheering us from their point of view, cheering the church. Guys, you're in such a good, you're on the other side of redemption. You have the sacrifice of the shed blood of Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit, which we so appreciated and valued in our earthly life, in our covenant. But what you have is so premier, so pertinent for your time. You're equipped for your time. Jesus was at that moment, at the very beginning, right when he was about ready to walk up on Calvary and lay down his life and be crucified for our sins. And he was turning to his disciples that he was about ready to leave, but he was going to outpour the Holy Spirit on them. And he said, these works and greater works shall you do because I go to be with the Father. He knew it was going to be a, an amazing moment of devastation to the forces of darkness. Jesus, the God of Peace will soon crush Satan underneath our feet. The head of the church can't say to the feet, I have no need of you. You know what he actually Jesus is saying to us? And I'm, by the way, I don't believe God to be needy in the sense, any sense of the word. He's not like, God really, he's so needy, he needs it. No, God has created a scenario where he wants to use his followers to demonstrate and show forth his praise, his excellence, and the authority that he's deposited in us so we could take our stand, resisting the devil, he will flee from us, drawing near to God, he draws near to us, we preach the gospel, God confirms his word with signs and wonders following. 
When you pray, you believe you receive. Say, God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Carry this into your work moment, even if you work from home. If you work from home, believe God that everything you do, you do it heartily unto the Lord and believe somehow it'll translate into impacting souls and changing lives. Everything you do, wherever you go, you, you, you're a carrier of the presence of God. Right now, in this apprehensive moment with social distancing, people are, I went into a store today to get something and it's like, excuse me, pardon me. You know, it's like we had to keep six feet from each other. I don't know how to measure six feet unless I get up to somebody and then pace it off. And if I pace it off, then I will have gotten near him and I'll broke, I'll have broken the rules. So I just, you know, you just, it's this finesse thing, but why not while we're doing all that with the masks and all the walking and all the, Hey, distancing and staying outside the door, let's just turn everything into a moment of prayer. And since we have to wear masks, we can pray in the spirit. Nobody will know it. We can be quoting the word. And because we can hear ourselves, it's like, this is the day lift Jesus high. You can even tell if you're off key and you can work on your, on your tune. You, get, you can get very tonally amazing. I mean, we could end up being the Vienna Boys Choir after all this. It sound amazing. Oh, see? It's better than ever. All right. Listen. Israel, in the presence of Goliath, when all the men of Israel saw the, the giant, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. 1 Samuel 17, 24. But then along comes a God worshiper named David who experienced the Lord at his job as a shepherd. He worshiped God and he had that harp and ministered to the Lord. And when he saw Goliath, a courage stirred in his mindset and in his soul that was different than the cowardice that was present in others. And this is what I want to finish with. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound, well-balanced mind. And he's given us authority. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, into all the world and make disciples. Preach the gospel. You know, I'm going to just say this as we get ready to wind down. I believe I was running with my wife at the track at the high school up here years ago when, when the Berlin Wall came down, when we just started this church, and then in about 89 when the, the things started to change, Vladimir Lenin and and Karl Marx and all the ideology that tried to alight upon Europe failed, and they were just saying, let's forget it. I don't understand why it would try to be, people try to pick it back up again, and it hasn't worked. It doesn't work. But anyway, the doors opened in places that let's, we're going to be atheistic, we're going we're to make a utopia, it's going to be amazing, we're going to build these big, ugly boxes and stick people in and make them feel like cockroaches and expect that everything's going to be utopia. It demeaned the value of humanity. It didn't celebrate that we're made in God's image and assert the creativity and stir the potential in people. It diminished it. I remember being on a subway shortly after uh, the, the walls and the doors opened and the walls came down. I went into a subway in Russia in what was St. Petersburg, then was Leningrad, then was St. Petersburg again. Things change. And while I was in there, everybody was dressed in drab. I had a bright red raincoat, and I stood out like a sore thumb. I was the big, happy American, and I was happy because of what Jesus has done in my life. And I, the liberties, I realized I was actually kind of taken for granted. And then I went in that setting, and I thought, this is oppressive, man. 
This is depressing. And everybody's just sitting there. Nobody wants to stand out because nobody wants to get called out. Nobody's, you know, everybody's under surveillance with everybody else. It's all just like kind of creepy deal. It was wicked. But then the door opened. And the reason the door opened, more than any geopolitical thing, was so that my view as a Christian is so that the gospel can go in those places. And it, we've got this door. We've got this opportunity. And so what we did as a church... I mean, I spoke in the Czech Republic. I went to Russia, and I, you know, did. But I, we landed in Kosovo in '99, and the Lord gave our church the privilege of being able to communicate the gospel in that setting that was previously closed to the gospel. And good things have come from it. Good thing we can't do everything, but we must do some things. And the, mainly, the some things are the things the Lord leads us to do. Right. And that's that whole thing of obedience, not just a sacrificial life, but an obedient life. Jesus' earthly life, he lived in obedience to the divine will of God. The will of God dominated and determined his whole existence. And that is what the Lord wants us to do. And as we do it, amazing courage comes. You have confidence when you know, hey, that's the Lord, and the Lord's going to help us. I have confidence that, hey, no weapon formed against us will prosper. Now, you notice weapons do get formed, but they won't prosper. Hallelujah. One of the power, superpowers I liked about Superman is when he would go, and bullets would go, boing, boing. But then even better than that, in Matrix, the first one, when Neo, when the bullets were coming down, he just looked at them, and they went, boing, and then fell down to the ground. I like that even better. And we've got something that's not just superhero sci-fi, fantasy, visual imagery. We've got the shield of faith that we hold up together. And we were away from each other for about three months, so it's nice to be back together in church. We're socially distanced. We're complying with protocols. We're being respectful. My brother came in here and zapped everything with some sort of radar gun thing that he had. And uh, today, yeah, this is so clean in here. And we're all distanced. You know, I'm six feet from you, at least. But yet, listen, man. There's so much anointing and so much of the power of God here, you could cut it with a knife. There's so much of God's equipping dynamic that's present here. And there's so much out there that God wants us to do in prayer, in sharing the gospel, in encouraging others. You know, the Bible says we're to consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. Some of you, you were raised by a dad who never told you that he loved you. Well, you need to change that. And you need to tell people you love them. Well, I'm just not verbal. Well, get verbal. Well, I'm not a hugger. Well, right now you have a break. And, and, and I, I talked to somebody today and said, we huggers are really, no, I actually, I went to vote. And the, and the lady at the polling booth, I said, she was helping me out. And, you know, and I said, man, thank you for these explicit instructions. It was like, she was like probably a school teacher or something. And I was, she was treating me like I was in the third grade and I loved it. So I was so grateful for the details. Like, thank you for the detailed instruction. I'm suppressing the urge to hug you. She looked up at me. She said, oh, no, we don't hug now. And I said, she said, we huggers are not hugging. And I said, wait, are you a hugger? She said, yeah, I'm a hugger. So it's, it's, this is tough for us. She goes, it is. I said, but then I know introverted people, like they're thriving on them. This is like, this is normal for me. Don't touch me, man, you know. So some people are super happy. It's like, this is going to be the, one of the greatest periods of their life. Oh, I love that. These obnoxious huggers of people saying, I love you. They had to, couldn't even talk. They had a mask on. I couldn't even hear them. And they had to stay away from me. I loved it. Well, so let's stand up on our feet. And let's, having done all to stand, we stand.
courage, that stirring in your spirit that enables you to face the challenges without yielding to fear. We, having done all to stand, stand. Amen? We stand for something. We stand on the word of God. We stand on the promises of God. We're literally standing right now, but we stand on God's promises. We stand on the, and it produces fearlessness. Fear starts to leave. You get that confidence. Yes. Listen, I watched a guy, a great preacher, who I think just is fantastic. And he was having to explain to his congregation that he had a cancer diagnosis. And you could, and it just wasn't the culture of his church to talk a lot about that kind of things. But he had to come out and he had to share. And it was interesting for me how he walked through that. But it was also interesting for me how he got his healing. He fought the good fight of faith. And what it did when I heard his testimony is it became really just enhanced by just the the authenticity of all of it. And that just how he was able to face danger, difficulty, distraction, disappointment, and pain without yielding to fear. And how while he was taking his stand, being real honest about his situation, but being really honest about God's promises, how it also just caused an amazing strengthening. It's like, man, that God is my God. And that guy's faith inspired my faith. Right? All right, we're playing tag. You're it. Go into all the world and pray. You've got to wear a mask, walk through the line, go get your groceries, wave to people, be kind behind the plexiglass. Hey, what's up? It's like, how is it? This plexiglass is here and I'm giving you this grimy money. I'm handing it to you. You're handing it back. Do I go boil my hand? Is there a saw? Should I saw my arm off? What do I do? Yeah, all these new rules. I caught a Dr. Fauci. Should I... Should I boil my hand or what should I do? Should I put a mask on my, what, how do I do it? What do I do? Should I have surgical gloves? What should I do? Right? Here's what God wants us to do. We trust him in the big picture. God will get us over these things. That God is our God. He's faithful. The God of David with Goliath. The God of Moses with the burning bush. The God of Daniel in the lion's den. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. That's our God. I want you to look at somebody and say, you're courageous. Look back at them and say, you don't know me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for spectacular strengthening. I pray for supernatural courage. I pray for incentive for the people that have been in a fog, for the people that have been in a place where they've been disgusted with themselves, people that have been in a place where they just have not known what to do. For the people that, whose lives have felt so disrupted that they feel like they're at wit's end and they're in a frazzle, and yet, by the grace of God, you're going to see each one of us through. Lord, I trust your anointing, your grace, your mercy, your protection, your angelic blessing, all the abundance around us, Lord. You surround us with favor as with a shield. The Lord will bless the righteous man. He'll surround him with favor as with a shield. Yet there are none that are righteous, no, not one. So what is that? The only way we can get right with God and become righteous is by calling upon Jesus, trusting Jesus, surrendering to Jesus, submitting to Jesus' lordship, confessing him as our Lord and Savior. If you're not saved, I advise you right now to get saved. Call upon the Lord. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. 
guy, I ran into a guy at a shopping mall. I was with my son Kingston when he was a teenager. The guy said, oh, there's that drug dealer from television. I said, excuse me? He said, yeah, you're that drug dealer. I said, what? And then I realized he was mocking me for preaching the gospel that religion is the opiate of the people. And I looked at him and his wife, his wife was like, don't, you know, because she saw that I had my son with me and so she saw that it was disrespectful. You know, it would be one thing for him to, you know, say that to me, I could handle it and talk to him about it, but it took me by surprise. He was mocking me, but then I, I said, for me, it's real. And she went, yes, for him, it's real. And she tried to walk him away and, he, and she was like, behave, you know, and it was, and, and she, I think she saw that she was sensitive that it was a, I was with my son, it really wasn't completely fair. But life isn't fair and people aren't often fair. And I, and I pray maybe by this time, because I lifted him up over and over again. He's saved, healed, filled with the Holy Spirit, running around the yard, you know, his wife's going, can you please come in and go to bed? No, this is real for me too. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I trust in you tonight. You will see me through because you are faithful. You have obligatory, loyal love aimed at your people from all sides, at every angle. Thank you, Father. Heaven is open. The grave is empty. Jesus is risen. He died, was buried, rose again, and he's coming back. And he's coming back to a glorious church. Only strong and very courageous. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.